Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I can't believe how quickly I got caught up on the what was happening in the show. It was like 30 seconds and I was right there. Yeah. Had a pretty good idea who was dead and who was running things. And right. I was really surprised about Negan. I was like, what the fuck happened to that? He runs the ice cream parlor now. He's he's now their buddy. Everybody loves Negan. Where have you been, Curtis? I have been uh you know what? I, it doesn't matter where I've been. I've been elsewhere doing other things, and I, I regret nothing. But I also regret nothing. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that episode was real clever and everything. But uh, Fear the Walking Dead, the first episode there was just outstanding. Well, hi folks. This is Apocalypse Now. Which is, we're diving right in. I am Tim Harvey. I'm Dustin, and I'm Curtis, and we are discussing. The Walking Dead universe. We have been away for a while, as this show has been away for the while. So we're coming back to the Walking Dead universe. And We've been in Chicago. <laughs> None of you will know this, but I used to do this podcast with these two blokes early on. Before it was a podcast. Yeah. Before you would you participated in our written reviews. Oh, that's right. That is right. Mm-hmm. I I love the shit. I was in charge of tweeting. You that's right. for us. I twatted. I totally, I, I don't know. I guess I enjoy this so much. It was the only thing I wanted to remember. <laughs> you tried. I mean, I think we tried once or twice to do like all of us involved in something. We, we tried video for a minute. And we tried, uh, you know, some other stuff like that, but it, none of it ever worked out. It was all bad. And by then, I think you were super sick of zombies at the time. I really was. I still am, by the way. I think I think you you done made your point, world, with zombie lore. Well, luckily, you don't have to deal with any zombies on these shows anymore. Pretty much, They're, they've gotten really good with dispatching them, and that's not even an issue anymore. Right. It's gotten right back into the relationships of people, and mm-hmm. and that's fine. Apparently, in, in uh, The Walking Dead, there was a group of people who dressed up like zombies, as if, as if for stinky Halloween, and then they would use a zombie horde and manipulate it to, I'm guessing, clear areas? Yes. And take over territories? And but recently- they also were, like, super, like... They would take over the territories, but then they still lived like zombies. They didn't have like, and now we're going to build an Ikea. It was like, we're just, we've taken over this area, but we're still going to be like creepy zombie people. They were deranged. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They were deranged. I can see why that would be terrifying. You can, you can find Dustin and I discussing the concept of how the whispers worldview doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, and previous episodes of this podcast. Yes. 
We we refer to that multiple times. Just so many times. I think instead of going back and watching the uh, show to get caught up, I'm just going to start listening to the podcast because it's all there. Yeah. And in a format that I would enjoy much more than the actual show. Well, it, it's interesting because we get to the first episode, and since we're since we're diving in, let's talk about the the final episode of, well, the semi-final episode of the season because they're extended in the season. There's all these things going on with the Walking Dead, and, you know, with, with COVID production ground to a halt. We didn't get the final, what was then the final episode of the season. Which, frankly, I'm going to just say I don't understand why. I, I after watching what. What I watched tonight, I do not see why they had to to delay for what was it, eight months? Something like that. There's no reason. Absolutely no reason. Well, I don't understand either, and I also don't understand why it had to be full episode length. There's ten minutes of story in that episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a All lot. There's a lot of walking around. There's a there's a lot of filler in the episode. I mean, it, it's it's fine. And I say fine because The Walking Dead, this is not a new experience for The Walking Dead. Right. But as far as season finales go, there's not much to it. And there was very little tension for me watching it. And I'm going, okay, I know Daryl and Carol are getting a spinoff show. They're not going to kill off Negan. They're not going to kill off the kids. They're not going to kill off nobody. Okay, let's just, okay. Nobody important died. Except for if you feel like Beta is important. Well, even See, then. Yeah, the short-haired lesbian from Oceanside. Well, they did I mean, resolve. I mean, they did ultimately resolve their problem with the Whisperers. Yes. Uh, and they met a new. Uh, yeah, they all the Whisperers. I guess all the Whisperers just followed the zombies off the cliff. Because no, I think they were killed off one by one. They were just uh, picked off. I guess if you want to, if you want to accept that as truth, but I feel like there were like fifty or sixty whispers. See, the problem, Curtis, is that when when the whispers had appeared on the show, and Dustin and I kept noticing that the number of whispers a fluctuates wildly from episode to episode, right. and b doesn't make any sense beyond like three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. But the question is, you never actually have a sense of who these people are. There's only right. like three characters in the Whispers, four, I guess, over time, the two sisters, uh, uh, Alpha and Beta. Um, and then, you know, one one daughter who, you know, L- L- uh, Lydia. Lydia. And everybody else is just a person in a mask. So you have, don't have any idea who these people are. So when they die... Half the time, you don't even notice. Yeah, because they're dressed like zombies anyway. So, I mean, and and quite frankly, if I was one of these whispers, A, again, Dustin and I have talked about this a lot, it's, and we slipped away into the zombie horde and were never seen again because we ran like hell from the crazy people we've been hanging out with. Right. I would assume that some of those folks would have sat there and went, you know what? These people are crazy. I'm going away. <laughs> Well, I mean, and we again, this is all ground we've covered. But yeah, like they, even in the show, like people would come up to one of the not obviously not Alpha or Beta, but uh, Gamma, 
Mm -hmm. uh, they went up to get like several times and they went up to Lydia and were like, Hey, do they really have like indoor plumbing and like houses and stuff? Why are we still doing this? They've got indoor plumbing and houses. Let's go with them. (laughs) Right. You know, more than one time that happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) this is really fucking weird and they're just being normal. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. This is stupid. But anyway, so you're right. Nothing like we're going to Maggie came back just in time to say Gabriel. Mm hmm. From the whispers, all of our other main characters survive completely un- unscathed in in no way. The whispers are defeated. Beta is eaten. Um, everybody hugs everybody, and uh, the people that with are with Eugene are discovered by some people in a white and white uniforms. Doesn't right. Carol attempt suicide? Uh, uh, she feels like she's got to lead the walkers off the cliff. I don't necessarily feel like that was a very strong suicide attempt. So yeah. the problem yeah. the problem that with Carol this entire season, and again, go back and listen to our previous episodes. It's been so long since we've talked about this. I almost have to say that on everything we talk about. Uh, because, quite frankly, everything with Carol this season has been a, Carol is doing this because the writer is telling her to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole lot of backtracking from where she's been as a character. It's a whole lot of it's just it, it's not a good use of the character. They didn't know where to take her when they because when they made her like that kind of solitude kind of loving pacifist, I was like, where in the hell are they going to take this character now? Well, the problem is, is that every everywhere, time- Curtis, <laughs> everywhere they mm-hmm. have literally like there has is not a characterization that Carol has not had. In the three years that it has been since you've watched the show, yeah. Well, I th- I still think she's perfect for Daryl wherever she's at. Her attempt at I I can't go on because I've caused so much pain to those I love is a bit yeah, that... late actually in the game, considering in her her scale of causing harm to the yeah. one she loves. But you know, it's just it's it's an excuse for Lydia to come rescue her, right. And yeah, that's all it is. It's and the, like we've said, they're not going to kill off Daryl or Carol because they have to both be Rick for the next two years and then go off to their spinoff together. Right. Yeah, I don't think she's figured out yet that if she didn't feel bad about the pain she's caused, then that would be the good time to walk off the cliff. See, right. Never works out. The only tension in this episode is a very manufactured tension. And it is, will Negan run away or won't he? Oh, was that even a question? That dude looks so whipped. No, it's not a question. Negan is not running away. But they set up this whole thing where it's like, I mean, because you you know Carol is not going over the cliff. There's no tension there. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that none of our characters are going to die. You, You just know these things. Negan disappearing for a while is a, a actual possibility. It doesn't. Yeah, he, uh, he's going to go away and then come back like five episodes later with like six dudes. Be like, hey, right. I found these six dudes. Am I going <laughs> to do stuff with them or not do stuff with them? You don't know. They're probably going to die before I get back to a settlement. They right. all think I'm super charismatic. But that's just it. I mean, it's that's the only actual tension. I do want to know where Maggie found the surviving member of Daft Punk. 
Oh, because are you sure that wasn't a member of Guar? <laughs> I feel more Guar than Daft Punk. Well, you know what's going to happen. Daft Punk after the apocalypse, they become Guar. Mm. The progression seems that. very clear to me. Yeah, I just it's an end to this season. This episode is an end to the season. That's it's fine. It's a well, that's fine. That's all episode. we need to say. Yeah, I mean, and that's like I said, it's ten minutes of story. If you wanted, if we wanted to dig into it more, which we're not going to, the root problem of this episode is when you kill off the main bad guy of the season or the last couple of seasons, nobody cares that her lieutenant is left alive. Yeah. You just don't. I mean, he's he's a big guy who's crazy. Okay. And he, he did the big guy who's crazy thing and died. Yeah. And the mystery of his, of his being a famous country music star was solved. Sort of. Yeah. Negan goes, do you know who that is? Do you see who that was? And, and Cheryl's just like some asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I have bigger fish to fry. Thank you, Negan. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and there we go. There's, there's the end of this season. Now there are extending, extending, I say, quote unquote, because they have a plan for the last two years of the walking dead. Cause the show has, is, is coming to an end. The, the main show is coming to an end and they are going to add six episodes to the original plan. So this, there's technically six more episodes in this season, but by the time we get them, it'll it's be next be, season. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fine, whatever. But we get to look forward to that, and The Walking Dead is on hiatus again until it comes back. Right. However, there are two shows in The Walking Dead universe, one of which is Fear the Walking Dead, and one of which is Walking Dead The World Beyond. Ooh, I'm sorry. Did I tip my hand? <laughs> Why, tip Curtis? my hand too, Curtis. Why, Curtis, whatever do you mean? Did, were, you, were you not entertained? Oh, man. I, I, I just don't know what the hell they're thinking. There's like literally nothing new, interesting, or unusual about having a bunch of total fucking strangers. What? Are we talking like a few years in the future? When they've gotten used to all this, it's so the setting, the setting is ten years after the zombie apocalypse began. Okay, but so, the problem with the it being ten years after the zombie apocalypse began, it means it's just modern day. All it means is that it's modern. It's 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 still in in line with where we are in the series because you use the math of Judith, and it's ten years has passed. But the problem with math on The Walking Dead is, is like the problem with distance on The Walking Dead is that the numbers don't work. Right. And there's the, the, the series will work out if there's nice overlap. If there's nice overlap between the series, then it'll be nice. But this, I don't see overlapping into anything unless we suddenly get old Daryl showing up well. as their professor dad or whatever that they're fucking looking for. Well, this is actually a show that's supposed to tie into The Walking Dead. So this show is set in Nebraska. Yes. Which Florida. we have not been to in The Walking Dead universe before. And Although uh, Rick did say that they should go to Nebraska. Right. And interestingly enough, the villains, jump ahead, of this episode are actually connected to the folks, if not the folks, 
being the folks who took Rick away in a helicopter. Oh, is that how Rick got? I didn't even know that. Right. So when Rick, everyone thought Rick was dead, bridge blew up and uh, Rick saved the day and everyone thought he was dead. He was picked up by Janice, who then radioed to mysterious peoples who came with a helicopter and took him away. And the symbol on the helicopter is the same symbol of the bad guys in this show, who are another. So there's three communities, all of which who seem to have restored their portions of the country to working order. They have Portland, Omaha, uh, and then this Commonwealth, this people. Right. And then the university campus, uh, which is called University Colony or something. Something like that, yeah. University City? Sure, why not? University City? And our girls, our main girls, live in the University City. Yes. And they think their dad was taken by the... Their dad volunteered to go with the Commonwealth to uh, to be a science man for science. Yeah. And, uh, little, and little sister is still kind of annoyed by all that shit. Yeah. She and- should be more annoyed by her wig. <laughs> Both girls need to really have a discussion with their wig guy. Maybe that's what turned me off about this. It was a subconscious aesthetic thing. I don't know. Well, okay. I have a 65-inch television now. And my friend, uh, sorry, uploaded these episodes for me to his Plex. Mm-hmm. And I have that connected to my Roku. And so I got to watch these episodes bigger than life on my giant TV. Oh. And so it was very distracting to look at these two girls and be able to see, like, well, that's that's wig lines. Like, you know... <laughs> You can't hide it anymore, man. You really can't. You can be, I can be on stage with someone wearing a wig and not be able to see their wig line. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I'm holding a camera, I can see it plain as day. I don't know why that is, but it's true. Well, and then if you know what you're looking for, you can see them no matter what. Like, so I was watching this episode with my sister and her friend, Megan, Mm -hmm. and like five seconds in, Megan's like, is this the YA version of The Walking Dead? Which, young adult, YA. Thank you. And I was like, yeah, I guess it is. That's what it felt like. It felt safe and for kids. You know, now, I mean, the whole point of this is they, you know, they start to lose their trust in the establishment. They go decide that their dad needs rescued. Yes. And uh, so, and then they just gets, they grab some buddies and they fuck off to go do that. The gardener that both of them like, have the hots for. Yeah. And, and what happened? They find out she's gone. So they murder everybody. What happened at the end? Okay. So there's, there's three things that happen. We have, we were introduced to a number of characters. We're introduced to our two, the two daughters. And then we have their friends the, the gardener who everyone doesn't really know he's, he's from another place and everyone thinks of, you know, they're the only ones who will talk to him, et cetera, et cetera. And they got their little nerdy friend. And then they've got their guardian who is the, is one of the security guys for the, the settlement. 
He's a soldier type. Uh, and his friend. And then we have... Julie- he cut Tuscadero from uh, Happy Days. <laughs> and then Julia Ormond shows up. And she... I am shocked. I have to stop you. I am shocked that they got Julia Ormond to say, how did she figure out how to make champagne? <laughs> when it's like, that bitch is French. <laughs> and she would look at that line and be like, uh, champagne only comes from grapes cre- grown in the Champagne region of France. She could not have made champagne. <laughs> I'm sure they paid her enough And then looked at the writers and the writer would have burned... burned emulsified into dust and blown away. She must just have not cared. Like, this is, Julia Armand is buying a boat. That makes sense to me. So she shows up and she's got her long coat of doom. You can always tell the bad guys when they show up and they're all dressed in black and they got a coat that goes down to their ankles. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's it's one step away from this, the lightning symbol on the collar. Uh, or the armband, but so she I like shows- the other guys are like, I wear hockey pads, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, and her stormtrooper dudes that follow her around, right? She's, you know, she's if the only the only thing that's not going on here is you don't hear dun 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 because yeah. um, it's yeah. But anyway, so she gets drunk at some point on this champagne thing in a scene which would only be effective applied to a teenager and even then your average suspicious teenager would probably sit there and go wait what mm-hmm. um she's like i shouldn't tell you this but here's how you can find your father but i'd only tell like only reason i'm saying this is because i'm drunk Tee-hee. right <laughs> and so when the kids set off to find dad and their friends come along for whatever reason, and we don't know why yet, her guys slaughter the town. Julia Armand said, burn it down. Because we get an interesting line where they say that they can't find the girls. And she's like, good. So she has her plans. She's up to something. Clearly, Clearly, she's the villain from the moment she appears. Or yes, a little did they know that their plans were drawn against them. Curtis, you might be able to help me with this, Curtis. There's a Louis L'Amour novel. Okay, and it's about uh, a little boy and a little girl who are on a wagon train. And uh, are you asking? Are you asking me this because I have kind of an accent? I'm asking you this because you seem like the kind of guy who who sits on his front porch and reads a Louis L'Amour novel. <laughs> I love that more than anything, but so far not recognizing. Uh, it's about this boy and this girl who are on Swagger Train, and he's like, uh, you know, eight, and she's like four. And one day, the uh, the little girl accidentally lights a horse out. And so the little boy goes to try and help her find it. And while they are off looking for this horse, the wagon train is attacked by Comanches. Their whole family and everybody's killed. So it's I am girl. not familiar at all with the okay. book. So it's, the story is essentially this little girl, her you know, protector, this boy who's eight, and this horse who's like a you know a full sized horse that doesn't have a saddle or anything mm-hmm. lost out in the in the wild west 
And there's an Indian after them, but also after them is like a, a ranger, you know? And yeah. he's going to save them. Yeah. And this world beyond gave me such feelings of that of that story. Because we've got Julia Ormond, she's the evil after them. And then there's, you know, Pinky Tuscadero, Juicy Fruit after them. <laughs> and and these <laughs> four dumb kids wandering around in the in the woods because they're dumb. Well, they they're not they're short sighted, but they've made it very clear in the series that so far in that first episode that they these guys were intellectually uh, uh, above average. Yes, whoever's chasing them has got their work cut out for them because these guys are no slouches. They yeah. know their way around a zombie, right? Uh, and and the dumb, like the little skinny kid knows karate, and he wears his 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 leisure suit because. It's bite proof. Yeah. I think this has kind of potential to be kind of fun, but they, I think it has potential for that. I really hope they lean that way, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I have my doubts really because this, I didn't sense any kind of cleverness in the script. It was being pretty, it was being pretty standardy. Well, you know, uh, world beyond is only supposed to last for two seasons. It's a. It's supposed to be a closed story. Well, that'll be good. I think that'll be good. It at least potentially means they have a beginning, a middle, and an end in mind, as opposed to The Walking Dead, which for until it was announced that it was coming to an end, was part of the problem with The Walking Dead is that it just goes on and on and on, and there's no right. end to the story. It's a comic book, and that's the way comic books work. There's yeah. never an end. That's well, I mean, you know, unless you're, you know, like a graphic novel that has a beginning, middle, and an end, but your basic Captain America story has been going on for decades. Right. Sure. The the problem I had with the show is that it's not actually marketed as a young adult version of The Walking Dead a story set in the walking dead universe. And the problem with that, and, and quite frankly, if it was marketed as a young adult show, I would be looking at them and going, I recall being a teenager and quite frankly, you're talking down to me and I don't appreciate that as a teenager. Um, I was just thinking it's, it's going to mean that eight year olds are going to start watching this stuff. (laughs) The thing is, is that the, there are a whole bunch of assumptions you have to make for this show, to, at least in this first episode, right? And, and you know, the, we'll see where it goes. But these kids are actually not prepared to go out into this world. And the idea that 10 years after the zombie apocalypse, with the zombies still around, with the threat reduced or not, and the fact that they have someone who is clearly training them how to fight. Mm-hmm that you have these kids wander out into the world so unprepared doesn't actually make sense. Again, the show could develop really, really well, but for me, the story is very, very simple at this point. And I don't mean that in a nice, clean story kind of way, but more in a, we've seen this story before. Right. And I read this story in Heinlein Juveniles, um, you know, science fiction stories that he was writing back in the fifties. Yeah. 
for young adult audiences. I mean, it's just, I've, I've read this story before. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying that right now, it's there's not a whole lot to this show, and I'm I'm not thrilled. I'll be honest. I mean, it's fine. No. It, it's like it's like the last episode of the of the season. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. It's fine. I don't have any interest or need to know any of these any of these characters are, or or what they're doing. That was what uh, I was going to open with, but I thought it sounded callous. But now that I hear you say it, I don't find it callous. I find it accurate. And that's not to say this show won't get better, but this is not a great, engaging first episode. And quite frankly, story-wise, it's really cluttered. Yeah. yeah. You don't spend a time. You don't spend time getting to know these characters really you get the cliff notes version of them and then suddenly they're out in the world and i mean okay see the the very first episode of the walking dead they threw rick into the story with no backstory right and you get flashbacks to fill in the, the thing but right then you're in the middle of it you you know all these things are going on here we get flashbacks and the only real tension the flashbacks establish is because I mean, we've seen these things before with, with the Walking Dead universe. We their little nerdy friend is heavily implied to be the son waiting at home for the woman that one of the sisters kills accidentally. Um, ten years ago, ten years as ago. babies that they. I mean, I, I in a way I feel like they would have established the fact that his mother, like, like if he had a picture, okay. Okay. He had a picture of his mother. He has a picture of his mother. And this cannot be the first time he has ever told anyone the story of how the night of that the sky fell or whatever the dumb they call it. Uh, <laughs> his mother was out and she was pregnant with his little sister and she never came home. Can't be the first time he's ever told the story. Ten years. I'm also, sure. also, if he had a picture of his mother the whole time, there's no way in ten years, ever no way, that he would not have shown someone this picture. Also, if these people are as close him and these two girls are as close as it is implied that they are, they would have not only, number one, heard the story in 10 years, also, number two, they would have seen the picture at some point in 10 years. It's stupid, (laughs) and I hated it. (laughs) Also, I don't know of anyone in the world who at, I'm guessing, six uh, could have kept for ten years the secret of I accidentally shot some lady. The idea that they're setting this up to be some sort of conflict later is just redonkulous. Thank you, Dustin. I remember now. That's why I didn't like this. It's because of... Well, it's because of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And all of the like super dramatic stuff. There were there was no subtlety to it. I didn't appreciate it. I'll watch another episode. We'll see how it goes. 
Well, yeah. see, unfortunately, Curtis, that's that's how that's what we do to ourselves on this show. We watch this shit so other people don't have to. <laughs> or or that they or more accurately, I feel like we watch some of the things that we watch we watch so that other people can listen and commiserate instead of having the circle jerk that Talking Dead is. I think we, that too. I thought it was because we were hoping like some of the actors or something would like be Googling it and, and come across it and be like, oh, check this out and listen. To Mo it. Collins came on the show because yep. Dustin tweeted at her and said, come, come play with us. And just because we feel this way about what was obviously a pilot episode doesn't mean we're going to feel this way by the time we get to the end of the season. Right. And that's something that we have to bear in mind. And the the thing is, is that we are much, much harder on the first episodes or first seasons of shows than we used to be. You look at some of the swinging. Huh? We come out swinging. Well, yeah. But you you consider a show like, say, Star Trek The Next Generation. Everybody loves Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the pinnacle of Star Trek. The first season was garbage. The show didn't actually get its stride until its third season, Mm. right? And and The Walking Dead, um, Dustin and I are on record discussing season two. (laughs) You know? And so there's a paper trail for our, our our opinions on you know how well people search for little girls lost in the woods but <laughs> the thing is is that oh, you know, it is the first episode it's not a good first episode that's that's the thing though i'm it's it's encouraging to to see a kind of kind of not great pilot because because th- then they have an opportunity to learn from that mm-hmm. you don't learn from success really Right. You're just going to try something new anyway, and then that's going to suck, and you can learn from that. Here they've sucked out the gate, and now they will bounce back with an awesome second episode that won't just be guys walking from right to left through jungle or wherever they are in Nebraska. What? That? Are you sure it's not like the South Dakota Black Hills area? It's not a great first episode. If it gets better, fantastic, but I'm on I am currently underwhelmed. Right. Yeah. Um, I will say that I um I think I have I feel like I have some faith in these actors. Because I don't feel like I had like like I said, it's Julia Ormond. Like she even if she ends up just chewing scenery to the ground. <laughs> she is going to be fun to watch. Oh no, kidding! Who plays and, the colonel, the the lady who shows up and is like the president or whatever? That's Julia Armand. Oh, oh, she, I've been thinking that was Kate Mulgrew. No, because I don't have a strong memory. I watched it a week ago, you know, and I yeah. was like, I re- I was remembering her character as being played by Kate Mulgrew, maybe in a little bit of a uniform. But yeah, Julia Armand and Nico Tortorello, they are a, a really good actor. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm very excited to see, you know, an out queer person playing a queer person on a genre show from the very beginning. Like, you know, Strand is gay and the actor who plays Strand is gay, but... 
that was all like, oh my gosh, we discover this uh, at the, you know, as, as the series of Fear the Walking Dead went on. But to have uh, Nico Tortorello's character, Felix, be gay, like, from the very first episode and still be like a, you know, awesome warrior, like, sheriff, whatever, is yeah. really cool. And, you know, Very the funny. children are fine. Not everybody can be Stranger Things or the cast of It. Can we talk about Fear the Walking Dead? or? Yeah, yeah. well, let's do that now. Okay. Um, <laughs> God dang, spend- this episode was wonderful. Man, it was so beautifully performed, and there's so, so <sighs> much richness in the in that's happening. I just love it. Uh, again, I I can see where you might feel that or see, but you've been uh, away for a while and yeah. you don't know that this, this whole, I'm not Morgan anymore is like basically the only character trait Morgan has any longer. I'm oh. not the same man you've been dealing with anymore. No, okay, Morgan, sure. who are you now? I'm now. the rider. I'm the spirit of vengeance. I am the Donna rider. So we start off uh, <laughs> with uh, this guy, a cowboy, a bounty hunter, uh, a head hunter, if you will. This guy is out of a. It's he's out of a graphic novel. This guy, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's pretty cool. I enjoyed this character. He's a bounty hunter who goes and finds people and cuts off the head and brings it back to uh, whoever he's supposed to be right. working for. Right. And, and we, so, you know, that's his proof that he got the job done. Right. Um, but he, for those of you who play Red Dead Redemption 2 online, um, if you go to Tumbleweed and talk to the sheriff in Tumbleweed, it's the exact same dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just this badass human being. He's black dude, badass black dude out in the middle of nowhere, just chopping heads. <laughs> and and the first thing we see is him collecting the head of this guy named Walter, right? I think Doesn't so. Um, oh, this but is brilliant. When he collects his head, he gets a. There's a key. He had a guy had a key around his neck. And so our bounty hunter just takes the key. I don't know if he meant to, if that was like part of the job, or if he was just like, oh, okay, a key. Um, and then he gets contacted by... Uh, there was something about the key, Dustin. It, it had military insignia. Yeah. And so but then he gets contacted by uh, Virginia, and she puts him on Morgan's trail. Uh, we want Morgan dead or alive. Well, what's Morgan been up to? Morgan's been wandering around with a bullet in him for like six weeks. Well, yeah. last episode, not only did he get shot, but the zombies were closing in. Right. Clearly, something happened in between. Yes. Well, Morgan, his on his own uh, recollection, says that he heard gunshots and then he passed out. And when he came to, he was patched up real badly because they didn't take the bullet out. And it doesn't look like they did anything, honestly. 
because he's apparently got gangren he's gone gangrenous, which folks to 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 use <laughs> the Tim Harvey's phrase, folks, if you've got gangrene on your shoulder, you're not gonna be alive much longer. And that's the like the 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 conceit of the episode is that Morgan is like fully in the process of dying. He's dying so bad that walkers walk up to him and look at him and go, no, thanks. (laughs) I got standards, yo. Right. (laughs) Just walk right past him and he has to go. I'm here to you. I love this. Smell off to you. Does this (laughs) smell bad? They use that. Uh, they do a callback with it later on in the episode when he does a heroic thing where yeah. he says, I'm here and draws the attention of the walker back to right. him. Um, but he was left with a letter. This person wrote a, wrote him something basically saying your work's not done or something. And this person is clearly not Madison. Clearly not. No. Mm-hmm. It's not going to, of course, it's not Madison. Why would you think that, it, you know, that, that they're going to bring Kim Dickens back onto her show? I, I, like I said, I, she was conspicuous. Not. She was conspicuous, conspicuously absent. I assume that she's missing or presumed. Oh, you don't know. You know, um, Madison's been gone for a couple of seasons. Uh, and the way that she left the show, she left because she needed to do the Deadwood movie. Oh, I understand. And so she left the show. And the way they wrote her off was that her character, uh, uh, that Madison brought all these walkers into a baseball field and then set the place on fire and it basically exploded. And she supposedly was in there, even though everyone else who was in there somehow got out and escaped. She did not. Oh, and so, but and this was like what two seasons ago yeah. that this happened. Mm-hmm. They have telegraphed so fucking hard that she is not dead. It's it's literally like if I were just even the slightest bit more obsessed with the idea of Madison coming back to the show, I would have one of those like crazy conspiracy boards. Because yeah. it's like it's like writing 101, the way that they have telegraphed that she is coming back to the show. Curtis, you would have gone crazy. Like, literally, like, three times, three or four times every season, somebody says, you're not gone until you're gone. Or, like, brings <laughs> up, Madison, Madison told me to do this. Like, Madison was teaching me how to do this thing and then she'll do like a Madison thing and like leave it for somebody to find. And it's just, it's, it drives me crazy and I'm telling you, like, if we get to the end of Fear the Walking Dead and Madison does not come back and is not shown to be alive, it's gonna just, my, my brain is gonna explode. My brain is gonna explode. I will die of a hemorrhage and you know, you might even see the explosion from from the <laughs> I hope I'm around. 
I'll sell parts of you on eBay. So anyway, yeah. Scene from scanners, really. I think it's really yeah. the scene you want to visualize. So all that to be said, that somebody saved Morgan it, badly. They did not do a great job in saving him. Clearly not Madison. Yes. And uh, and he uh, has been wandering around with a bullet in his shoulder, slowly dying for several weeks. And he's like been gathering up medicines and like trying to do all sorts of stuff. And and but he's fucking dying. And so this guy, Lewis, right? Isaac. Isaac. Stumbles across him. And he's like, hey, you're in real bad shape. You need to have somebody take that bullet out of your arm. And, you know, oh, before we, if you come help me, he, go, he says, if you come help me get back to my wife, I'm, we're separated by walkers. If you help me get back to my wife who's pregnant, then I can help you. I can take that bullet out of your arm. And Morgan, being the king of the martyrs that he is, is like, no, no, I can't. You can't. I don't want to take the bullet out of my arm. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to have the bullet taken out of my arm. It's like, <laughs> fuck you, Morgan. Fuck everything about everything you think about yourself. We've been through this literally for five years. You don't think you deserve things. Yeah. Stop it. But, th- but this episode is Morgan's character arc into that person that you would prefer him to be. Except he's been this person before. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's a redemption story. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is that it's exactly what we've seen with Carol over on The Walking Dead, right? Yep. Yep. So you have the character starts at this point, and then they drive them through torture porn until they come out a different person on the other end. Mm-hmm. And then once that character has been around for a little while, they go, oh, wait, they haven't been punished lately. And you drive them through torture porn for a while. And yeah. then they come out the other side and the writers go, oh, wait, they haven't been they haven't been tortured lately. So then and that's the exact same thing we've gotten with Morgan over and over and over again, literally beat for beat. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve your help. I am only a vessel to make, you know, to to help others. My life doesn't matter. And then the person, oh, you're not, that Morgan is gone. Who's back? It's probably, you know, kill, you know, if I have to kill, I'm going to kill him, Morgan, again. Uh, It's just, it's just more of the same. It's more of the same. We've seen this. Not only have we seen this in this universe before with other characters, we've seen this with this specific character many times. The first two, the first season that he was on, Fear the Walking Dead, is about him. <laughs> this cycle, <sighs> yeah, and it's it's. I mean, and again, Lenny James, fine, fine actor. He gives, he does, he plays the part great. I mean, there's, it's this is one of those shows where even when the writing is garbage. The actors are still giving it their all. And this is a great cast. Mm-hmm. But it's so frustrating watching this character just go through this cycle. And it would be, we'll have to see. It would be great if we end up with him staying like this for a while. Maybe. We'll see. But, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no. It's, it's all right. 
It's a completely so, logical reaction, Dustin. I mean, so so. Meanwhile, the the bounty hunter is showing up, like keeps trying to find Morgan because that's his job is Morgan, and he comes across Lewis in, and Lewis tries to help, and and they they fight the bounty hunter a couple of times, and and slowly but surely Morgan like is like warms up to the guy, and it's like fine, I'll help you get back to your wife, and and so. They do, they get back to the wife, and the bounty hunter finds them, and then there's a big epic showdown where Lewis and Morgan both take turns <laughs> fighting the bounty hunter until, until he's killed. And then we discover at the end of this that Lewis has been bit the whole time. Isaac. Whoever. Folks, if you're, if you're new to the show, you do remember, and if you've been around for a while, we do have to make clear, Dustin doesn't remember names. And he doesn't care to. He doesn't care to. That's true. It ends essentially with, uh, we have a new maybe home base. Uh, because uh, Lewis and his wife had been living in a lake that had been the the a town had been decommissioned and a lake had been uh raised at that spot but then the dam burst and so the lake has run out didn't leave the river that you know you need to have a lake like you need right. a river it's trickle probably. to run through it there ain't no water there it's got to be a big river the the what they're basing it on is the Guadalupe here in Texas. The Guadalupe River has yeah. several dams, and mm. you know they're you know huge, but it's so big. The Guadalupe is so big that it's got like four dams on it to to create you know reservoirs and stuff. Yeah, and they just let towns get swallowed up by that shit. Uh, yeah, occasionally, eminent domain or whatever. Uh, and so when, when Morgan saves the wife and the baby, he basically inherits this derelict waterlogged town inside of a damned, what used to be lake, that if you look at a map, it looks like a lake. Like you wouldn't, unless you specifically go to like, look for the water, which, you know, there's a plot hole, like why ain't nobody ever go look for the water? then you're not going to see that it's not a lake any longer. So at the end, Virginia in, in uh, Al's stolen SWAT vehicle is driving around being evil, and she comes across a line of corpses in the middle of the road. And so she gets Who's out. this lady? Oh, uh, Virginia. She's another one that's just the worst. Like She's like 20 years old running stuff. She's she's trying to create a new society. Well, she's got a weird idea what that might look like. She um, does. Well, okay. In fairness, every single person aside from our heroes who are trying to create a new society have a weird way of looking at the world. And all of the new societies are fatally flawed except for our heroes. That is the Walking Dead way. That's true. But yes, yeah, she's horrid. 
she's a horrid, horrid person, and she's just all kinds of redheaded evil. Mm-hmm. So she goes up to this, and there's a box, and it says Morgan's name on it. And so she opens the box up and sees the, the bounty hunter's head in there. And and at first, I feel like she looks like she's like, oh, like, oh, all right. She, like, calls out on her walkie-talkie, and she's like, Morgan, are you out there? And, uh, and at, you know, first there's no answer. And then you hear Morgan say, Morgan's gone. That Morgan is dead. And you're like, oh, well, shit. You're dealing with Publishers Clearinghouse now. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you owe Columbia House for six cassette tapes from <laughs> 1987. Now, I, you, you have to make a certain assumption here that Morgan has discovered where Virginia is going to be to set up this little display, or that the bounty hunter had a note, maybe, saying, meet me here with Morgan's head, you know, whatever. Right. How does somebody like that even work? Like, know. you know, I don't know. It's, it's a, a big... cool concept, and I love that he had a bloodhound. Oh yeah, sweet puppy. He ended up being a very sweet puppy. Mm-hmm. Just sniffing at stuff, being a puppers. Just you know, fella. You know, gotta find the fella. Then I get treats. Just a puppers. Oof. So the episode actually ends. The last shot of the episode is a pretty cool dramatic shot where you actually see these two rando guys spray painting the end. What is it? The end is the beginning. Is the beginning. I was like, oh, I saw what you did there. On a, on the side of a beached submarine. Oh, wait, wait, I forgot. Go oh. back because Morgan, when he decapitates the bounty hunter, he sees the key. Oh, right. And he's like, oh, I'll take that now, I guess. I guess that's mine. And so then he gets to these guys. And they're, they're, they're spray painting the end. It's the beginning on this big orange wall. And, uh, and they're like, we have to find the key. Joe Bob was the only one who had the key. <laughs> we have to find it. And uh, then it pulls back. And what is the thing that he is writing on? It's a de- it's a beached submarine in Central Texas, which is I mean it's a pretty impressive you know CGI shot, but it's a pretty cool shot actually. I mean, and, and we don't get enough of this kind of grand scale, what the world looks like now. In these you shows watch very often. They're except gonna, okay, they're going to jump in this thing. And they're going to find that it was actually owned by a Texas businessman and is absolutely pimped out inside. And it is going to be a rocking pad that they just got to clear out real quick. Except for, yeah, it's great. It's an amazing thing, you know, to see, oh, it's a, it's a beach submarine. Hey, Curtis. Yo. You really, really recently been to my house. Yes, I have. Uh, in central Texas. Yeah, it's pretty far away from where I would consider it acceptable for a boat like that to land. No, yes. Why? Did nobody... <sighs> well, but the question is, 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 where is this in relationship to where Morgan and the rest of the people are? Because 
we don't know where this is. And according to Wikipedia, quote okay. unquote, it's stranded off the Galveston coast, which raises a different question. For it to be stranded off the coast on dry land, where did the water go? Off the Galveston coast. Because you know you know what the body of water that is off the Galveston coast? Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, and, and it's not like a lake. No. It's it's a fairly sizable body of water that connects with with another body of water, right? Isn't isn't there another one that it connects That's to? That's called the Atlantic Ocean. Right. right. So but, but you see a a, a a rogue sub I'm sure this will be completely explained. No. Not in the next two episodes, maybe the one after that. No. <laughs> but uh when the uh when the hurricanes hit, it'll it'll sweep things inland and that is the that is the suspension of disbelief that well, I want to and you know that Galveston is only at its highest point eight feet above sea level. So it's it is fairly a shallow, shallow island. Yes. Yeah, that really cool. no one should live on. Yeah, so it's a great shot, but it doesn't make any sense. Although it does make me wonder if the key with the military implications is a key to Oh, I don't know. A nuclear submarine with nuclear weapons on board. Yeah, because we need to spend more time on this particular show dealing with the nuclears. Well, yeah, that would be. No, we don't. We don't. That's what happens with this episode. That mm-hmm. key came off a survivor, and that is one of the key security keys that you need to operate it. That's that's what I think that they're going to go with. Yeah. And I don't think that this could have anything to do with that submarine. I think with, they just thought their, it was a cute shot, and it's not gonna. We're not ever gonna see that submarine again. That's what, what I think. Find, what they're gonna find also is possible. Those keys activate a switch that transforms the interior of this nuclear submarine into the sweetest bachelor pad that you have ever laid eyes on heart-shaped bed with leopard skin appointments a you tell you can totally tell it's waterford crystal bar oh sure of course yeah the liquor doesn't even have labels it's just in a different custom made it's it's gonna be so comfortable i can't wait till they get in there honestly it would make a departure from the show that would not be unwelcome <laughs> yeah I loved it when uh, when the Rick and the gang showed up in uh, in uh, D.C. wherever that was. It was Alexandria, and it was just like they could grab a shower and everything looked so clean, and the lawns were mowed and shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know, I like the effect that had on the show. We'll see what a uh, abandoned submarine is like. <laughs> they got to get the toilets going first off. I mean, they can't just be about the armaments. Yeah, I mean, it's, Dustin's probably right, though. It's probably a great shot, and we never come back to it again. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's a better episode. It's a better episode than the World Beyond's season premiere. Yes, but I really it, enjoyed it. I did. It feels a lot like we've, especially for Dustin and I, it feels a lot like we've seen this before. I mean, it's a solid episode. I mean, it's it's 
it's stronger than about half the episodes from last season, but that's not saying a lot. Right. I'm really, ex- I'm more excited, honestly, and seeing our, where everybody was, was sent mm-hmm. at the end of last season. Because Curtis, at the end of last season, then what, what, ha- I mean, now that we've figured out what's happened to Morgan, mm-hmm. now that that's all taken care of, where did everybody else go? Yeah, because at the end of last season, Curtis, um, Virginia won, right? She shot Morgan and captured everybody else and then sent them off in separate directions, basically, because she, you know, she was going to separate the troublemakers. And basically, they're going to work for her now, whether they want to or not. And yeah. so this season is supposed to be designed a little more like bottle episodes with each each character is to tell part of the bigger story. They leave it as uh, Morgan just getting the drop on that lady. And, you know, she's got a big decision now. Does she leave him alone or not? Oh, no, no. She doesn't have a big decision. She's going to go after him. She's Virginia's worldview is it's cool that you think you're fighting back, but I'm going to win in the end. So she's not impressed um, or she won't be impressed for long. You get kind of get, I kind of got the impression that she appreciated the theatricality of it. But other than that, um, that's where she wears the hat. She's got, yeah, she's, she, she's dressed up in a costume all the time. <laughs> I thought she looked a little like Carmen San Diego. I don't know, man. It's, yeah, it's it's an episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I mean, it's I was all right with it. I mean, again, it was fine. All of these were tune in next week fine. when we learn all about the rest of them that we've missed so far. We got to play catch up. So obviously we are not going to do The Walking Dead because like I said, we've watched the fin- the season finale and then we've got more episodes coming along eventually, but we will have new episodes dealing with Fear the Walking Dead and the world beyond. And we will play catch up until we are caught up. And then we will discuss all the things about these shows for good and for ill. If you've tuned into us before, you can probably figure out how it's going to go. We have thoughts. We're not afraid to say them out loud. And often they're idiotic. I can well, attest to that too. myself. <laughs> but we'll talk about all that stuff on upcoming episodes. If you have enjoyed listening to us be unimpressed, um, <laughs> unimpressed, yeah, uh, with with the <laughs> the Walking Dead offerings we've been given, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can leave us a message. You can leave us a comment or a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podcast.com. Those are always nice to have. And we would encourage you to do that if you enjoyed these episodes, if you think they're really cool. We'd love to hear why. If you didn't like them and we missed something that you didn't like, let us know. We'd love to have more interaction with the folks who listen to the show because we do appreciate you folks listening to the show. It's always very nice to have folks who enjoy us having a good time talking to each other because that's the real reason we do this is because we like talking to each other. And hopefully you enjoy our conversations. As always, Dustin, thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. And Curtis, thank you. Thank you, sir. And again, thank you folks for listening. We'll do this again on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now.
Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>